I'm reviewing here. My god oh my god oh my god oh my god this is real this is actually happening my first ever podcast hi everybody thank you so much for coming here and listening to me my name is matt bussy and this is i'm reviewing here a weekly podcast where i a big huge annoying loudmouth movie buff i'm going to go through each of sight and sound's greatest movies of all time this list was recently unveiled last year it is unveiled every 10 years and they got some good ones Sight and Sound is a British publication of the British Film Institute, and they've been doing this since 1952. Uh, Last year was its eighth uh, decade. Yeah, am I doing the math right? I don't even know. Anyway, over 1,000, no, yeah, 1,639 film programmers, critics, archivists, they all... Up, you know, sent in their top 10 films, and together they have this huge list. It's, I think it's 264 movies. Damn. Am I right? Yeah, I am right. That's a lot of movies, and I'm going to go through each and every one of them, and I'm going to analyze it until I sweat to death, and it's going to be so much fun. And, yeah. So, a little bit about myself. Uh, My name is Matthew Bussey. Let's just clear the air quickly. I am very aware of what my last name means. I did not know what my last name meant until probably a few years ago. Yes, very funny. Har, har, har. Laugh it up. I really don't care. I really don't care. It's, It's not, like, that funny but yeah if you don't know what I'm talking about just google bussy and you yeah you know my last name I kind of it's it's a blessing and a curse my last name in school I was very popular with my last name people did not make fun of me well actually that's a bit of a lie people liked it they would always call me bussy and when I would sign yearbooks I would always sign my last name and then make uh the s's dollar signs so that was cool on the other hand uh i did get bullied a lot in middle school and people used to call me matt puss yeah uh p instead of a b do i well i already said it but um yeah so you know what it is what it is we should all be proud of our last names and whatever it's my last name I also just want to clarify that I am not a woman. I am a man. I get mistaken for a woman every day. Uh, It is very annoying. And yeah, so I'm a man. Uh, It's, it's, it's very odd. You know, I went on a speed dating, I went to a speed dating event one time and I remember they had me on the girls list because they thought Matt was short for Matilda. Matilda, are you kidding me? Matt, that's not even a nickname for Matilda. In the movie Matilda, does the t- the principal Miss Crunchberry or whatever her name is, does she actually yell, Matt, you got telekinesis, go to the chokey. No. Oh, what an idiot. That was not a fun event. I talked to one girl and she kept telling me about how uh, they kept finding dead bodies in her backyard. And I was like, okay, I got to skedaddle. Goodbye. I also, and this is very shocking, you guys, I don't like men. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Well, absolutely everybody I meet, whenever I tell them I like women, they always go, what? Really? And I have to just always respond, yeah. And then I usually get mad and I go, quit hitting on me, which makes no sense at all. But yes, indeed, I am a romantic and I love women. I'm looking for love. And I have no problem with that. Love is love. Everybody can love who they want. And who knows? Maybe in a few years, I'll meet a guy and I'll go, you know what? You're not a woman, but... I feel something for you, and I hope you do too, and I think that we should go in a loop.
Okay, but look, this is not a dating podcast. If this was a dating podcast, it would be two episodes. It wouldn't even be two episodes. It would be one and a half episodes. That's how lame and depressing my dating life is. The half episode would probably just be me crying my eyes out and having a panic attack at the same time. So now that we got that out of the way, uh, a little bit about myself. Let me talk a little bit about myself. So I'm 21. Sorry, 21. That's what I meant to say. I'm not 31. Don't be silly. Uh, I'm a Philly boy. I love movies. I've loved movies since the day I was born. I have a very unhealthy obsession with movies. I think they are fantastic. I think they're magical. I think they are good and bad, and I love talking about them with people, and I love picking fights with people about them. Sometimes. Yeah, not really all the time. But anyway, yeah, I mean, first movie I ever saw as a kid, you know, I think it was Casper, 1995. I was horrified of going to the movies because I had a very huge fear. This is so random. I had a big fear of Pee Wee Herman. That man, that character terrifies me to death. People are afraid of clowns. People are afraid of, you know, what's hiding under the bed or whatever. I don't like Pee Wee Herman. I never have since I was a kid. And to this day, I will not watch a Pee Wee Herman movie. Not one movie. I cannot do it. And it's nothing. It's not Paul Rubens. It's just the character. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Anyway, so when I was a kid, I was just dreadfully horrified that Pee Wee Herman was going to be at the movie theaters, like on screen. And I thought he was going to reach right out and grab me and eat me like Pennywise, you know? So I think Casper, that was the first movie I saw and I faced my fears and I was a bit of an annoying uh, bad boy. I remember getting yelled at because I was throwing popcorn at the woman sitting in front of me. Yeah, not not, not nice. I, just no excuse for that. I, honestly, none at all. But Casper, that wasn't really the movie that made me fall in love with cinema. The movie that made me, like... That the movie that changed everything for me was Jaws, 1975. Come on, we have, we've, all, we've all seen Jaws. It's definitely on the sight and sound list. I remember I was homesick from school. I had a horrible, horrible fever. And I must have been five or six, I think. And my mom put on Jaws. And here's a little bit of backstory. This is kind of a morbid backstory, but my mom and I were really obsessed with like the National Geographic shows where they interview survivors of animal attacks. You know, like whenever they interview them and they're like, yeah, I was in the water and something bit my leg off and yeah, I was scared. Like those episodes, I used to go crazy for them. I don't know why. I feel really bad for the people. But anyway, Jaws, you know, even though it was fiction, I just, that movie just completely blew me away. And, and, uh, it was just, I, I fell in love with it. I remember just watching that movie. I was like, yeah, I want to see more movies like this. And to this day, I have probably gone to the movies at least a quarter of a billion times. I am always trying to stay up to date on what's in theaters, what's streaming. I hate streaming. Don't get me talking about streaming. Friggin' COVID. And yeah, movie buff. I don't like to call myself a cinephile. You know, I, like, cinephile to me, I don't like that word because it rhymes with pedophile. I don't even like to say the word. I don't use that word. I don't like it. And also cinephile, like cinephilia, that's actually a word. And it's it's gross. It sounds like a disease or like a fungus. Imagine going on a date. Hi, I'm Matt. Nice to meet you. I have cinephilia. <laughs> yeah, please. Absolutely not. My favorite movies. Well, I have a lot. I think my top like favorite movie ever is probably Moulin Rouge. I mean, come on, dude, that movie. I don't do drugs, but I would willingly do drugs and watch that movie with a crowd of people or just by myself. 
just to experience it because holy hell, that is a trippy movie and it is beautiful and colorful and amazing. The Shining is another one of my favorite movies and it is on this sight and sound list and I cannot wait to get to that movie. Oh my god, I love horror movies. Horror movies are my favorite genre. The Ring is another classic favorite movie of mine. So obsessed with it. I know every line in the movie. Come on, Noah, pick up the goddamn phone! Yeah, every line from that movie. The most random lines from all of my favorite movies. I know them. Yeah, Moulin Rouge. It's set in Switzerland! All right, I'll shut up now. The Ring, though, is is definitely up there. I mean, I remember in middle school, I feigned an illness just so I could stay at home and watch The Ring. That's how obsessed I was. And then I felt bad, and I ended up going back to school at, like, noon that day. You know the scene when they're on the ferry and the horse goes batshit crazy and runs around? I used to reenact that scene in my living room. Sometimes I would be the horse. Sometimes I would be Naomi Watts. Sometimes I would be an extra. Sometimes I would be the, the, the police guy in that scene that goes, Jesus Christ. Sometimes I would just be a car and I would just be watching everything. Yeah. The doctors haven't diagnosed me with anything, but I, as you can tell already, I mean, what, I'm like 10 minutes in now and yeah, I have a lot of problems. So that's my life. I always like to introduce myself as a half-British, flex-a-vegan, converted Jew, because I think it makes me sound kind of cool and kind of sexy. I don't know, like, half-British is is really cool, and I am half-British, like, for real, I'm not making that up. I'm not making any of that up. I am vegan, but I, I call myself a flex-a-vegan. I don't know if that word exists, but basically, flex-a-vegans, uh, it, if you're flex-a-vegan, you're vegan, but you occasionally relapse, and it's like, you know, it's just if the occasion calls for it. You know, like I went to Europe last summer. It's not like, do you really think every place I went to had strictly vegan options? No, I had a few things that had dairy in them and it's usually okay. I mean, it's not really good for my stomach. Every time I have to ingest dairy now, my stomach is like, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I encourage everybody to go vegan. I don't follow any vegan podcasts. I should try that. Yeah, I should do that next on my list. And converted Jew. Yes, I am a converted Jew. I actually work for a Jewish film and new media nonprofit uh, in Philadelphia. I love it. It's amazing. And this podcast itself, you know, I, I originally, when I wanted to start a podcast, I wanted to, to do it with two friends of mine. Uh, one of them is also Jewish and one of them is Unitarian. And I wanted the podcast to be called Two Jews, One Uni you know, for Unitarianism. They didn't like that because they thought it sounded too much like two girls, one cup. So I then suggested uh, Jew con uni, you know, Jew, and then I'm a converted Jew. So con and then uni, you know, I think it has a nice ring to it. They still said no. And uh, we don't talk anymore. No, I'm kidding. They're good buddies. The name of this podcast I'm reviewing here is actually uh, from a very famous American movie, an American classic. It's called Cats. Came out in 2019 won a lot of Oscars. No, it's from a movie called Midnight Cowboy. Uh, and also, I just want to, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know your movies that well, and I, I reference a lot of things, it's okay. I'm going to do my very best to, you know, tell you what the movie, it, what the quote from the movie is from, what the quote is from and what movie. Blah, blah, what am I trying to say? But yeah, Midnight Cowboy, very famous movie, very famous line. and won a lot of Oscars. It was X-rated. Can you believe that? An X-rated movie won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Here's the line. And that's where old Daniel comes in, you know what I mean? Hey, hey, I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Up yours, you son of a bitch! You don't talk me that way! Get out of here! 
Uh, such a good movie. I have not seen that movie in forever, but it's a very famous line, and it's also been mocked many times, including in one of my favorite movies of all time, Miss Congeniality. Roll your hips, roll your hips. Head up, head up. Keep gliding, keep gliding. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, have I offended you somehow? Because quite frankly, you've been completely antagonistic to me since I'm going to walk in that door. It's a great quote. I quote that from the movie all the time. Anyway, this is the first episode of I'm Reviewing Here, and we are not reviewing Miss Congeniality, and it did not make the list. A lot of great movies did not make the list, but you know what? Whatever. They're still classics. I am going to dive into the very first movie on Sight and Sound's Greatest Movies of All Time list. It is a movie called... Born in Flames. Take a listen. We are interrupting this program to bring you a special message from the Women's Army. Which would you rather see come through the door? One lion, unified, or 500 mice? All oppressed people have a right to violence. The working class of all its name of America's best. So, I mean, it does not get more indie than Born in Flames. This is a movie that is so low budget. It's so grainy. It was recently restored in 2016. It was filmed in 1982. It came out in 1983. It's a riveting movie. Now, you know, I should first preface by saying that there are two types of movies. There are movies that follow the traditional story structure, you know, like beginning, middle, and end. And then there are movies like Born in Flames that completely reject those quote-unquote rules and just make whatever they want, you know? And there's a lot of indie filmmakers out there that do that. There's a lot of film movements that started doing that. And we're going to, you know, get into a lot more movies like The French New Wave and Italian Neorealism. A lot of movies that basically are saying there's not a rule book to making a movie. There does not need to be a beginning, a middle, and an end. It, it's And it's true. Like, for any filmmaker out there, it's your baby, it's your art, you make what you want. And in Born in Flames, director Lizzie Borden, I mean, she did that. And okay, let's also say, yes, Lizzie Borden is her name. <laughs> I imagine if what the real Lizzie Borden, if she was around today, if she would be a filmmaker and what kind of movie she would make, you know, that'd be pretty wild. She'd probably be canceled. I would not be surprised, too, if Lizzie Borden, the killer Lizzie Borden, was, like, a far right-wing extremist. Yeah, I could totally see that. Anyway, she's dead. Uh, this Lizzie Borden, uh, actually, she was not born Lizzie Borden. She was born Linda Borden, and she said, quote, at the time, my name was the best rebellion I could make. So, so yeah, she is a radical feminist, and, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if maybe Lizzie Borden was the best choice to make. I think there are a lot of other great, hardworking, badass women, not women who 
uh, take an axe and butcher their father and stepmother to death. But anyway, you know, it's it's done. Uh, all in all, uh, Born in Flames was a riv- very riveting movie that I really enjoyed. And yes, it does not have a linear structure at all. So basically, this is a docu-fiction movie. It f- looks and feels so much like a documentary. The actors in it, I don't even know if they are actors. I mean, they act so normal, you know? None of it feels scripted at all. And we we occasionally see this in some movies, but you know, like this is a this is the type of movie that when you major in film at school, they show this to you. Like I'm surprised I majored in film at Temple University, and I'm surprised that we never watched this. But the movie to this day has kept up, and it's been shown at a lot of schools. It's been shown at a lot of museums. It's so uh, it was so ahead of its time. So Lizzie Borden, she wrote and directed this movie, and it is essentially a modern-day dystopian sci-fi film. Uh, It's set in New York City. It it takes place 10 years after a social—it's known as the Social Democratic War of Liberation. So they talk a little bit about this, but— you know, it's been 10 years and, and all the men, you know, are basically saying, yeah, things are better now. Everything's better. Everything, you know, everyone is getting uh, equal pay. And the reality is that that's just not true at all. And the movie, uh, again, there are no real central main characters. It's basically the whole movie is just a mix, a juxtaposition of clips. It almost looks like B-roll footage, just clips and music and these interviews with women that, you know, kind of start in the middle and then and then cut out of nowhere. You know, that's what gives the movie such a good documentary feel. And, you know, Borden, she really goes out with the... Ed- she edited the movie, too. I forgot to say that. And she really goes out with it. I mean, there's... there's The clips are so random. There's one montage where it's, you know, women walking around in New York doing their thing. You kind of just see random people in the city doing their thing. You see someone serving coffee... And then you see someone putting a condom over an erect penis. Now, I don't really understand that part in the movie, but eh, maybe there's some hidden meaning there. The main group in this movie is the Women's Army Organization. And there's there's a whole there's so many women in the movie and they're not they don't all agree on the same thing, you know, but this Women's Army, uh it's basically all the women, the majority of them are are black and the majority of them are gay and they all just, they're feminists, you know, they're hardcore feminists and they just want to be treated with the same respect that men are, you know, and they hold all these protests all the time. They don't, this rebellion that happened 10 years prior, it didn't do anything for them and they are angry and they have a right to be. So they go on these protests, they chant, you know, women must deserve their fate, not the church, not the state. We want a J-O-B so we can E-A-T. They say all these things and, and uh, it's, it's, you know, the more I was watching this movie, the more I was like, wow, this is such a relevant movie. It's now 2023, and these these protests, these movements, they are still happening. I mean, it's it's wild. I think that's why this movie is so revolutionary. It's like it it, it captures the same zeitgeist that we're now in right now. You know, it tackles feminism, black feminism, sexism, abortions, homophobia, job inequality, police brutality. Everything. And I think just for this movie to come out 
in the early 80s and to be so open with its its views on on feminism and and homosexuality too. I mean like literally 10 minutes into the movie, not even that, you hear about one of the characters the movie too, I, I should say, you know, a lot of it is narrated by what I'm assuming is pretty much just the FBI because, you know, they're trying to take down the women's army and they talk about one of the characters and they just right off the bat say that she's a lesbian. And it's just, it's crazy. You know, I, even I've seen a lot of movies in my, in my day in the eighties. I don't remember even like hearing that word used in a movie. And that's what makes Born in Flames, I think, so brave. And it's a wild movie, and I've really liked it. I recommend it a lot. You know, the women in this movie are so badass. My favorite moment in the film is there's this random woman, these two, you know, assholes, pardon my French. I'm trying not to curse on this podcast, but it's bound to happen. She is being uh, bothered by these two guys on the street, like in the middle of the day, and they assault her, and they, you know, pin her to the ground, and they're, they're going to, you know raper basically and then out of nowhere all the women from the women's army they they pedal in on their bikes and the music is all funky and it's like do and it's like a superhero movie almost and they come and those men like piss their pants and run off and i'm watching it i'm going yeah you know it's it's that type of movie it really it really does get to you and i guess you know story-wise Again, there's not a real story in this movie. The story gets set a little bit in motion when one of the characters gets arrested at an airport and then she mysteriously dies in police custody. And, you know, the cops say, oh, it was suicide. But all the women, they're all very uh, dubious. You know, they say, no, something something happened. And that definitely sets off uh, a chain of events. And it all culminates in... Something that happens, okay, well, I got to say this politically correct because it's going to sound wrong. Something happens at the World Trade Center, at, you know, at, at at the roof of the World Trade Center. I don't know how they did this with such a low budget, but they did it, and it is pretty wild. It's pretty gnarly. And yeah, you know, going back to, you know, low budget, uh, in an interview with NPR, Lizzie Borden said that she could only shoot once a month when she had the $200. And, you know, the movie was so low budget that she actually had to use what is known as short end film, which is which are sections of unused film from a film roll, and reversal film, which is stock that produces a positive image when developed. I have no idea what any of that means, but that is trivia from the movie. That's very real. Now, what happened to Lizzie Borden? Well, Lizzie made another film after this called Working Girls, which is set in a brothel. And it, it also uh, was very critically revered and, and uh, did very well. She unfortunately did another movie called Love Crimes. And guess who produced it? Yep, the man, the monster, Harvey Weinstein. And he basically made her life a living hell. He demanded that she recut and re-edit so much in the movie. And the movie basically wasn't hers in the end and and she had to kind of keep her name on it when it wasn't hers and that sucks that really sucks when you have to read about that about these poor filmmakers who just want to make their movies their own way and these producers come in and are like no no it can't be like that it's that doesn't work you look at so many movies in the past that have failed it's not the filmmakers it's the producers so i mean it's true i remember reading like 
Rob's a totally separate movie, but Rob Zombie, when he did Halloween 2, he wanted it one way, and the Weinstein brothers, you know, just like with this movie, Love Crimes, Borden's movie, they basically came in and said, nope, we're in charge, you got you got to change all this, and it's sad, it's really sad, and, and you know, Borden's experience working with Weinstein, that kind of made her dislike making movies and she doesn't really make movies anymore she kind of does a lot of behind the scenes work like you know revising scripts and and stuff like that but uh you know the movie it it made a bit of an impact when it came out it got really good reviews it premiered at the toronto international film festival premiered at the uh berlin alley i can never say right the berlin international film festival it even won an award there the reader jury of the zitty award Zitty, I do not know what that is, but uh, Mazel Tov, though, that's really good. I recommend this movie very much. Uh, it's not going to be for everyone. It's not going to be for people who are into small budget movies. It's not going to be for people who, uh, you know, like movies with a beginning, middle, and an end. This is not like that at all. It is It is a way ahead of its time, artistic feminist movie i recommend it for all of its bravery the fact that again like i said you watch it and it's so relevant all these years later and you know it's a shame that borden didn't make more movies uh but you know i i I applaud her for being so courageous and yeah check it out check this out so where can you watch it uh it's available to stream on amazon prime but you have to have uh a subscription to one of Amazon Prime subscriptions. I think it's called Fandor. I, I don't know. I might have that wrong. But you can do that. Uh, you can also rent it anywhere for as little as $2.99. Uh, I think it's also on Canopy with a K, which is basically if you have a library card, you can stream movies for free. Uh, and yeah, I highly recommend it. This movie stuck with me and I liked it. And I think I'm at the end. I think I covered it all. This was kind of a long episode. Uh, I don't think episodes are going to be this long in the future, but thank you all so much for tuning in. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, please rate, review it. I don't care what you say. Just be honest. I really, really am new to all of this, and I'm so excited for the rest of the movies that I get to preview. Or not preview. Review. Sorry. It's been a really long day. But um, yeah rate review and subscribe and uh, I kind of lied in the trailer for for this podcast I said this podcast will be available wherever you get your podcast it's actually not true it's currently available on Apple Podcasts Spotify and I think Google Play which I don't I've never used Google Play in my life but um yeah if you you know if you use any of those three though check it out recommend this because we got a lot of movies to go through and it's gonna be kick-ass fun thank you all Have a wonderful rest of the night, rest of the day, whatever time it is. I just hope you have a good day. See you next time.